Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Hey, welcome. If it's your first episode, I'm glad you're here. If you're a devotee to Lead Today, I'm grateful that you're back. Today, I'm thrilled because we get to talk spirituality, intuition, resonant yeses with an expert in the field, um, a true leader and friend, in my opinion. Melissa Seaman is brilliant. She's a Stanford-educated lawyer turned intuitive executive coach, and she works with creative geniuses. She walks in both worlds and is here to help you find success with your gifts. And frankly, she just tells it like it is, which I love when it comes to the spiritual world. She's helped over 1,000 clients worldwide with clearings and guidance with a 98% reported success rate. And she's coached hundreds of intuitive entrepreneurs to find their best niche and business strategy so they can make sense of their woo-woo work while making good money, finally. She's helped close to 50 top-tier professional creatives around the world, including top tech designers, creative engineers, and Fortune 100 execs. And she brings spiritual aspects of innovation and creativity while speaking the language of real business and high-end game changer. I love Melissa's work, and I'm so thrilled for you and myself to learn from her today. Let's welcome in Melissa. Oh, you were just telling me because I've been loving your your photo shoots and what you've got going on online. You've got some super playful and amazing pictures that you've been putting up lately. So you were mentioning that a photo is not just a photo. Yeah. So one thing about being a leader is sort of stewarding your image in the world. And at one level, that turns my stomach <laughs> because... It's so tempting to pretend to be something that you're not, to be impressive for people. Um, And yet, like you and I met, well, we'd already met, yeah, at Thrive. But then we really got to spend time together and we went on this trip to Paris and France. And we, a big part of that was getting our pictures taken. And I have all these memories of you and me and the other ladies who were there, like going through this whole transformational process about being seen, you know, and like whatever was happening with our bodies that we did or didn't like, and whatever was happening with our hair that we did or didn't like, and like getting the makeup right or getting like all these details. And yet there was also something really powerful about standing in front of the lens, especially of course, Lindsay Miller's a great photographer and standing in front of her lens is transformational. Just like the women who do my photographs now are like really they see, they see me all the way through. And so there's something special, I think about that, about working with a photographer who sees you all the way through. I work with Workplay Branding and they're a mother-daughter team, Lyric and Tracy, they're just badass. But standing in front of the lens of someone who's that like awake and present in this work, for me, it's like a magic mirror. You know, yeah, I do go get new outfits, you know, and get my hair cut first. And like, I want to look my best. But what I'm recognizing is if I'm standing in front of the mirror with, I mean, the mirror, the lens, same, same, with the intention to really reveal who I am to the people that I care about helping, then it becomes like this really beautiful 
confrontative experience. Like every time I get photos back from a photo shoot, I'm crying. I'm looking at them and I'm kind of like, some of them make you flinch. Remember? It's like, we got photos back from Paris and it's like, everybody's like, Oh, I love this one. And you're just like, no, my ass is bumpy there or whatever. My thighs are blah, blah, blah. Like whatever this, this dumb conditioned voice inside might say, but at the same time, if I can detach from that sort of nitpicky BS, I look at the image and I'm like, Oh, that's me. Like, that's my power. Crap. They got me, you know? And, and I can kind of see looking at those images, I go, Oh, that's Melissa version 9.0. Like that's, that's what I'm doing now. And, and it calls me into further action. Like it calls me to my next level and, um, it's powerful. It's powerful. And then sharing them, you know, on social media so publicly is also just like so confrontative. And one thing that we just did this last shoot in Tulum, you know, so we like all masked up and went to Tulum and, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and traveled in our little pack and everything and got all these images, um, all these photographs. Now Tulum is like, Instagram person image central, like just everybody's all, you know, dressed to the nines all the time and wearing practically nothing under their see-through woven dress. And like, and I got there and I was like, oh, I've taken this whole thing too far. What have I done? Like, what have I become? And so I remember sitting there at the first dinner when we arrived in Tulum for like five days of photo shoot madness. I was just like, okay, God, like we got to make a deal here. I'm not here to look perfect or impressive. I am here to reach my people. And I want to make sure that every image serves the message, Hmm. not vice versa. I need the images to serve the messages. And when image can serve the message, then I'm a full hell yes. And I feel like that's an integrity with, you know, the soul based work that I'm here to do. That's a really, Oh, when you say that, I just, I, I feel tingly when you say this idea of, full <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I've read about it. Lacey Phillips work around manifestation. She talks about being a hell yes to things. And I, how do you know, I, maybe that's a really loaded question and everybody will have a different answer, but I, there is some bodily visceral response. Even when you said it, I felt it. But I mean, how do you know that you're in integrity with it? Because definitely I I feel the pull of all my, you know, I have all these ideas, like I have all these things I want to do. And then it's about focus Mm -hmm. and kind of prioritizing. But then how do you know when something's a hell yes? Because I definitely have found myself at times doing things that, like you said, perhaps for what they I should or what they'll look like. Yeah, strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that, that word. I like strategy, but I like strategy. I'm a business lawyer. Remember, I'm a Stanford trained person. I'm a business lawyer by training. I haven't practiced law in 20 years. I've been teaching intuitives how to do business and business people how to be intuitive since then. But I like strategy. It's not baby or bathwater. Like it's, I think I actually, I have, to be honest, I have a strategy and a system about tracking the big yes. You want to hear about it? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because yeah. we didn't talk about this before, but this is like one of the most potent things I could share actually is yeah. what I call the resonant yes. You know, yeah, you have a yes about something. You're like, yeah, I think so. That's cool. No, 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 no. When you have a full hell yes, it resonates through your entire body, up and down your body. You have this like quivering, vibrating, absolute yes that has that's moving you forward before you've even made the decision. Like it's just, there's not a question, right? And anytime we make a decision from that resonant yes, we can trust it's gonna be awesome and miraculous. Whether it ends up the way we think it will or not, it's the right way to go right? That is the right path. And that's so much what I think it feels like when you, when you marry your intellect with your intuition, which is the basis of my work. How do you marry your intellect with your intuition and have the best of both worlds? How can you be really smart and really magical and do great work in the world, make great money, be a happy person, be deeply fulfilled and do what your soul came here to do. So, and a big secret to that is this resonant yes. So the resonant yes is it comes from checking in with what I call your seven inner teammates. So we all are a little bit multiple personality, let's be honest. And you Geminis are bonus that like, I don't know. I don't think you're a Gemini, are you? But like, you know, there's certain people are like multiple, multiple personalities and you never know who you're going to get. But even if you're the most grounded, logical person, you still have these quiet voices inside and each one has a specialty. So in the resonant yes process that I teach my inside my academy and other places um, with my VIP clients and all of that, um, you tune in with each of these seven voices and I'll just go through them briefly so that you guys can enjoy them. But like the first one lives at your root, at the root of your body, like at your perineum, at your root, right? Your feet, your sex. <clears throat> down at the bottom, there's this part of you that I call the primal self. And this part worries about whether you're going to survive. Like, are we going to make it today? Do we have enough food? Is there a roof over? Are we protected? You know, or are we going to be attacked and taken down? This part does not need to be reasonable. There's nothing reasonable that has to happen. Sometimes we get primal fears that are based out of old trauma or whatever they're based out of. We don't need to judge them. We do need to have that primal self on board. So, you know, let's say there's a big decision about, I don't know, moving to Switzerland. And like, you have to check in <laughs> with your primal self and your primal self, if your primal self is scared that you're gonna die alone in a, in a glacial cave, then, you know, your primal self is gonna get in the way of every one of your packing days. Like it's just getting to be torture, right? So when you tune in and you take a few breaths, you feel into that primal part of yourself. You feel into it and you ask to hear from that self and you try not to get in its way. You just try and let it talk. So you're like, Hey, primal self, I'll ask it right now. How do you feel about moving to Switzerland? It's like, what are you nuts? You don't have a house in Switzerland, Melissa. You know, <laughs> We're not going to Switzerland. You got a garden in the back. It's feeding you. Like you're not going to Switzerland. Oh, okay. Thanks for your input. You know, okay. You can visit. Can <laughs> you can I visit. can totally visit. It's good to know. Now you move up one into like your second chakra, lower, lower belly area. And that's where your desire self lives. Mm. Okay. Desire self. What do you think about moving to Switzerland? My desire self's like, well, that sounds like fun. Can we move there for a month? <laughs> 
can, yeah. can we milk a cow if we go to Switzerland? Like my desire self just starts sparking off. Can we bring the, can we bring a guy? Like, can we have some fun? Can we eat some cheese? Like my, so my desire self has her own, you know, concerns and desires in there. So I just listen to her and I can just like put her on audible for a while. I can even record it on my phone. And tr I try not to let my brain shut these voices up. I want to listen to these voices. I don't want my brain to go, oh, shut up. You know, that's, of course you can eat cheese. You know, you don't want to knock any of these voices down. So that's the desire self, the one who wants what she wants. She wants what's fun and yummy. Okay. And then we move up into like the third chakra area, which is my ambition self. What does my ambition self say about moving to Switzerland? My ambition self is like, okay, well, who do we know and what could we do? And maybe that would get you to finally write your book if we took a month in Switzerland. And what, you know, my ambition self is like strategizing the business, yes or no, the moving forward in the world, yes and no. How could that position us? How would that be strategic? So you listen to that voice and you don't shut it down. Then you move up to your heart and connection self, right? Connection self is about like staying connected to those we love and feeling held emotionally and received emotionally. So, okay, connection stuff. What do you think about moving to Switzerland? It's like, no way. We've got all of our people here. We've got our beloveds and our kids and uh, no, Melissa, we're not going to Switzerland right now. That's not what I want. I would miss the kids too much right now. And da, 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 da. maybe later. And you can tell you can, you can negotiate with each one of these. Like, you know, we've, we're probably going to lead a retreat in, in Tuscany next year. Why don't you th talk to us about that? You know, maybe we'll pop down to Switzerland then. Okay. So you can negotiate with these parts. They each have their own great ideas. Hmm. And we move up to the expression self, which is in like your throat area. Okay. And that part really wants me to be fully expressed, like just to be fully myself and fully received and just have like full license to say and do whatever I want to say and do. It likes Switzerland. It thinks it's okay. It's a little bit conservative, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, there's all these. So that's what the, that's what the, the expression self is concerned about. But yeah, again, you probably do need to go away in order to write this book. The expression self's dying for that. So it's a yes for that. Up to the third eye. This is the sacred self. So this is like the sacred self is like, okay, well, how does this benefit or detract from my spiritual life, my connection with my deep intuition, my connection with my deep calling? It's like, well, we're not really feeling called to go to Switzerland in particular, but there's something magical in those mountains. So Melissa, if you decide to go there, we will set you up. There's some powerful spirituality there that we could, you know, we can get on board with it, but we're not really feeling the soul calling us there. And then finally, that's like six, right? And then usually, of course, the crown chakra has to do with your connection to spirit. But instead of going there in this system, I go to the frontal lobe, which is the logical self. Too often we start here. We start with the logical self. Well, is that a good idea? Or is that a bad idea? Well, I don't know how much are plane tickets, blah, 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 blah. I would have to pay this much in rent, blah, blah. Who cares? Like, shut up. So instead you talk to the other six first. Now the logical self has some, can listen to all of these other parts 
and knows which ones are in resonant yes and which one of the parts are not in resonant yes and can negotiate with those parts to maybe get them to a resonant yes. Because when you have all seven teammates in a full hell yes, you have that lit up resonant yes thing. And that's the thing that you want to follow in your life as a leader. Like that's, that's, some would say that's the only thing we should follow. <laughs> ah, which is hard for me because I'm an impulsive, like Aries moon person. I just want to do everything right now. I don't want to wait for the resonant yes. I mean, I'm like, yeah, it'll work itself out in the wash, you know, just freaking go for it. But, oh. but when I slow down and tune in with this process or a similar process, then I can actually know what is there. And when I can negotiate with these parts and get everybody to a yes, when that happens, you stop sabotaging yourself. Whoa. Everything gets easy. Yeah, that's interesting, the point on sabotage. I think for me, I mean, definitely in Aries, it's like, ooh, that'd be fun. Okay, let's go do it. Don't yeah, we let's go. <laughs> go, go, go. Which is which is awesome. Yeah. But then to your point, that's a really interesting one around sabotage. It's like it's like the hangover almost. So it kind of gets you after, which is an mm-hmm. interesting idea, right? It's like, okay, yeah, you can just go, go, go and do do things and not think about it. But if it's not that resonant, yes, you're going to kind of smack up against a wall at some point or have some sort of self-sabotaging thing occur because yeah. you were not fully yes to whatever it is that you did you kind of just or i rushed it and especially those of us who are entrepreneurs and business owners we really notice this because you know i have like an online school for intuitive creative business people so i'm i'm constantly teaching like 100 people how to build their business and what i've noticed working with intuitive people working with sensitives and empaths and creatives is that especially working on the business of their soul's calling, if they don't have a hell's yes, if they're not doing exactly the right business that their soul really wants to do, everything in them will sabotage it. So if they're trying to do some downgraded version or some not right fit thing, or they're trying to be really reasonable and do a business that they think is reasonable, but it doesn't fit their heart. Mm-mm-mm. Like these voices will kick their ever loving butts. And so we actually have like clearings and processes every week to keep ourselves clear on the path of business because otherwise it won't happen. Like if you're just out there, I don't know, selling toilet paper rolls, you don't care. It doesn't matter. You don't sabotage yourself because you don't really care about it. You're just selling toilet paper rolls to make, to make a buck, right? But if you're doing your soul's work, if it's transformational healing work, you know, something that you're just deeply, deeply committed and aligned with, it's honestly trickier because it means more to you. The stakes are higher and it has to do with your own personal evolution too. So you've got to keep yourself clear. You've got to listen to these voices Otherwise you'll sabotage yourself and you won't even know what the hell is going wrong. You just like, why can't I do this? Why don't, why can't I get any traction with this idea? Oh, I know it's because there's some stuff that's not cleared with these seven selves or with the, you know, I do a lot of rites of passage work too. We have rites of passage and you have to clear all these hurdles in order to really step into your spiritual leadership, 
which is different, I think. Yeah, spiritual leadership is my question that pops up around that is like, okay, could you have been in spiritual leadership as, you know, as a litigation attorney? Like, can people totally. can people be doing their soul's work in something that is more like you mentioned, balancing the intuitive and the more logical side, right? Yes. Like, so totally. Can I mean theoretically, some yes. could be accountants yes. and just be like, that's totally. Totally. Some of the most, some of my favorite people that I knew back when I was practicing law were lawyers who were such deep leaders in the community with so much integrity. I'm thinking of Jim Chodsko in particular. There's a couple lawyers who I just so respected and, and Bob Falmouth, who was one of Nader's Raiders, like a champion of consumer rights and um, public interest law. Like there's, there are so many ways to walk your soul's path and so many different gifts, you know, it's like, I have this like soul gift quiz, soulgiftquiz.com. And you go there and in seven questions, it nails like, which type of soul gift do you have? And if you're a messenger, like, I think you're probably a messenger too. Um, I'm a messenger. Then we're here to teach, you know, and to talk and to translate stuff. And if we're not doing that, we're not happy. So you could go oh, yeah. to work as an engineer but it probably won't fit you. You know, you could go to work as an accountant, but it probably won't feel great unless you're talking and translating and teaching and channeling. Like, likewise, if you're a creator type, who's an organizational, natural organizational soul gift, then unless you're birthing some new evolutionary organizational principle, you're not going to be happy. Unless you're evolving systems, you're never going to feel fulfilled. So I created the little soul gift quiz because, and there's just five soul gifts, because I noticed that that was one of the main problems people are having in terms of feeling really spiritually fulfilled, no matter what, throwing my microphone around, no matter what their gift is, like to feel really fulfilled um, in whatever job they have requires staying aligned with their deepest gift. And most of us were never shown what our deepest gift is. Unfortunately, our, our educational system tries to kind of shuttle us into somebody else's gift, you know, tries to tell us what we are and train us to be something else. And our parents often are not trained either to recognize what is your kid's actual gift, their gift, not your gift, mom, not your gift, dad. Like, you know, we, it's, I think it's an innocent thing we do. We kind of try to train our kids to be like us. What else do we know? But the truth is when I had my, when I had Colin take my own soul gift quiz, I was sure he was a messenger like me. I was sure of it. it did, I'm like, here, Colin, take my quiz. I'm still testing it and trying it out. And of course, I'm sure you're a messenger, but go ahead and take it. And he was kind of like, okay. He takes the quiz. He's like, mom, I'm a researcher. I'm like, you're, you're a researcher soul gift? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I must have blown something in the quiz. He's like, yeah, mom. I'm like, well, shouldn't have you, you, maybe it's wrong. He's like, no, mom, you nailed me. The quiz nailed me. I am a researcher soul gift type. And I swear I started to cry because I realized he was right. And I felt so ridiculous for not knowing my own son's soul <laughs> gift type, but that's blindness of being a parent. I was like, of course you're a researcher, honey. You, you've always witnessed everything. You've always 
seen through the BS. Like you've always called things out for exactly what they are rather dispassionately. Like you've always been that rock of a researcher who's just watching all the humans do their thing and taking note of what's actually happening. That's what a researcher soul does. And I was like, I'm sorry, Colin. I didn't know. I should have known. I can't believe I didn't know. Uh, so, and people are surprised too when they take the soul gift quiz and they're like, oh crap, I'm a transmitter. And transmitters are like the really sensitive empathic beings. You definitely have some transmitter in you too. I'm not sure which one is strongest messenger or transmitter. Oh, I know like, I need to talk. Like I'm a t- <laughs> I know I'm a talker. If this podcast is still, I can go an hour and a half and just like. (laughs) Totally. But in my system too, I kind of point to your primary soul gift and then your secondary. So my guess is with you, you're probably a messenger first and then a transmitter second because the transmitter part of you, uh, the transmitter soul is one that just emanates a certain vibrant energy in the world. And it's a healing evolutionary energy and they're sensitive, they're empathic, they're just sort of naturally so, and they, um, they're magical. Like, and transmitter types, one thing that'll bust a transmitter type is like the part of me that's a transmitter, I don't really think that I should have to work for a living. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm freaking magical. And <laughs> I know that if people just hang out with me, They evolve. And in my case, they make more money. They identify their purpose. They get clear, they get strategic and they make great money. Like that's part of my transmission. And yeah, I can teach them in my soul gift, in my, you know, the soul gift quiz. I can teach them in my channel, your genius Academy. I can do all these things with them and give them sessions. But honestly, if they just sat next to me on the bus, they would get some of that because I've got that vibe. Right. And so that's the transmitter types who, and they're fun to try and strategize a business for because they really kind of feel like they shouldn't have to work, which is true. They kind of shouldn't, we should just be funding them. Well, which is, it's, it's sort of what you've said around finding a way for people to fund you in it. Like, I mean, you're, you're making, you're you're creating this, well, but you're creating a system or like a container for you to exist for them to benefit from that transmission mm-hmm. and that's right. get compensated for is. that. Like that yeah. they see the value. I think that's really hard with some people. I, okay. Yeah. So for people that, I mean, we talk about this kind of like, oh yeah, energy, but it's like, I know my husband who is Swiss and certainly not going to just say, yeah, vibe and sure, Melissa, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. like, can you, because I always you know, uh, maybe I don't explain it well, but can you break it down for a logical, you know, person that's going to say, okay, what is this vibe energy stuff? Like we're just people. And what are you, what are you talking about? How can you lead, how can you lead spiritually? And, and what's mm-hmm. this vibe thing? Well, <laughs> maybe a I big think question. <laughs> there, there are some of us that have been, look, most of us as kids, if you can think back to when you were a kid, you're very sensitive to how your parents were feeling. You knew if your dad was mad, you knew it and you tiptoed around. Or if your mom was sad, you knew that was a day not to put a carrot down the garbage disposer. Like you just, you knew you could, you could sense emotions. As children, we're generally quite sensitive also to animals and music and art. And we're quite sensitive and open. 
Um, as we grow, we're often educated out of that, especially really smart people. We're told to be logical. We're told to pay attention to details and to track evidence and to discard any feelings or senses outside of logic. And, you know, that's too bad, in my opinion. I think that that's the, I think that the smartest, most efficient and uh, creative people have deep feelings and pay more attention to their intuitive knowing and their feelings than people who are just have been trained to be like computers. And I don't claim to teach or be understood by people who are really committed just to logic. I think that they would not have me as a teacher because they're not interested in feelings and in uh, mysticism or in other ways of knowing. But I've also worked with Fortune 100 executives. I've worked with billionaires. I've worked with millionaires, many people who are very solid in their intellect. And what I found is some of the most genius intellects are also secretly geniusly intuitive. They go by their gut feeling. They know when something's right. They make decisions by what they know. They can sense when other people are upset. They're able to run their team because they can tell what's upsetting and what's good. Uh, many of them feel a deep calling. You know that there's something more to life than just checking boxes off of a list. And those are the people that tend to be drawn to me and the way that I translate and speak. So I look at, you know, what is energy? Like, really? I would just kind of hold a mirror up to someone and say, you know what energy is. When you walk into a room and someone has just had a huge fight in the room, you can feel it. You're like, ooh, what just happened in here? And if you can't, I would ask you again, you know, when you were a child, do you remember being able to do that? Because it's something, again, that we get trained out of, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. Just because you've been trained out of it doesn't mean it's not real or that it's not still happening. And even extremely logical people, when they can understand more feeling people and intuitive people, they have much better relationships because that is often an underlying problem in relationships when one person is more sensitive to energy and feelings and emotions and the other person is more logic-based, um, there needs to be a translation between those two in order to have a good connection, a loving connection. So yeah, that's what I would say about that. Yeah, no, I, I love the point about when you're a kid, I think even to the point of the soul gift side of things like when I was a kid I had my chalkboard and I was teaching my stuffed animals mm -hmm. and I you couldn't get right. me to, like I I don't know what I was teaching them I can't recall but certainly my mom would tell you like I I'd line them up and I was a teacher for hours again whatever it. it is yeah. that I had to share so definitely yeah, as too. a kid it started yeah. it's it's who I am or it's what it's yeah. always been um my thing so yeah, I think it yeah. starts. So it's, it's great that you've listened to that in yourself then and you choose a way to serve the world that utilizes that. A lot of people get shunted into professions, careers, educational lines that don't fit their gift. And yeah. a lot of the people I work with come to me saying, 
eh, this has never really felt right to me. And I say, yeah, because you're a transmitter, because you're a messenger, you let's pivot, you know, and it's never too late to shift and pivot and step into a role in your workplace or in a business that fits your gift. And when you do, it's a lot easier to reach that resonant yes, you know, with all of those inner teammates. Everyone likes it better inside of you. Oh, I love that you shared that with with me and with us, anyone listening, because mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Even though I'm clear that I am a definite talker, I like teaching, there's still a lot of decisions and nuances there where I don't always trust or listen to myself or feel that resonant yes, where it's like, yeah, this would be mm-hmm. good at some levels, but other levels, uh, I'm not sure. So that right. that's actually super helpful. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I guess... I mean, I see, I see how you do this in, in your work, but I'm, I'm curious about your daily life. I mean, how, how do you find yourself Mm -hmm. leading what actually, I still want to hear about what is spiritual leadership because you're definitely, (laughs) definitely, I would say an expert on the topic in, in my world for sure. So what is spiritual leadership? Well, you know, some of us, um, And I don't think being a spiritual leader is better than being a business leader or some other kind of leader. I think that we're each called to our own path. And so I'm not going to sit here and convince everybody to be a spiritual leader or whatever that means. But what I've noticed is my own leadership does have a flavor of spirituality in that I, part of my gift is that I can talk to other people's spirits. Like I can I can read and talk to other people's higher spiritual self. What does that mean? It means the part of them that is beyond this life, the part of you that has been existing since the beginning. And it's not just Kalina. It's like the part of you that's maybe been around forever. You know, the part of you that's bigger, the part of you that continues after you die. That part of you, I believe, has kind of a strategy for having you here in this lifetime. And so I talk to your spiritual team or your invisible friends or your spirit guides. You know, I use a shamanic perspective and, um, and I'm part of an indigenous community. So I was kind of adopted by my teacher, Marie Yesper, who's an indigenous ceremonialist. And so I work with that symbology, that type of symbology, but also directly with my own guidance in order to translate for other people to express and explain to them what their spiritual essence is like, what their soul gift is, and then what their soul came here to do. So when I think of spirituality, I'm not thinking of, well, you're either in spirit or you're in life. I see a really activated life as being the active participation of my spirit as me in this lifetime together, like collaborating with spirit, collaborating with creation, collaborating with nature, collaborating with that, which I find meaningful, collaborating with my emotions. So it's a big co-creation all the time. And so spiritual leadership, um, to be honest, (laughs) part of spiritual leadership means keeping my own spiritual connection strong and, and collaborating with my own spirit, being guided and deciding 
collaborating, right? So it's not just having spirit tell you what to do because I'm a person, so I get to decide, but really being informed and inspired by my spiritual self and together walking a path of integrity in the world, a path of love and service and goodness and making money, taking care of my family, being a responsible community member, all of that stuff. So for me, being a spiritual leader requires me staying in my own personal integrity first with spirit and with everything. And then using the gifts that I have to connect other people with their spiritual power and abilities so they can do their own version of that in their own way on their own path. So myself as a spiritual leader, I'm more about empowering someone else to create their life in collaboration with spirit and in communion with their community. I'm not a religious leader. I don't follow any particular religion. I draw resource from my Kiro Apache tradition and I draw resource from my Catholic background and I draw resource from my other shamanic experience, but I'm not a dogmatic religious leader. So I thought I'd make that com like comparison too. Yeah. Really, so many different points to talk about because I think often there's this funny joining of religion and spirituality. And yet uh, to me, that it's just worth worlds apart they're obviously connected at least to me they're con they're connections right? like i mean yeah practice religion to get closer to our spirituality and to be yes. community around spirituality yeah that be very uh, useful yes yeah well that's actually something i was just listening uh, jordan peterson he tackles some really tough topics and he's talking about how the catholic church is losing lots of followers like mm -hmm. people are just you know atheists and they're not religious and so what do you think that's doing to to people's spiritual lives because certainly again you don't have to be catholic or a part of a church to be spiritual but people not having a community around their spiritual yeah. growth what do you think about that because yeah. i think there's something really sad about mm -hmm. kind of just like you said earlier baby in the bathwater. it's like just saying okay yeah. i i don't agree with religion or the religion i was brought up with and so I'm just going to throw religion and spirituality out together. Like, are you, are you noticing point. that or is that I, I'm just I notice it in myself. You know, I was a Catholic and a happy Catholic. I was my school's campus minister. I, I, I love to organize masses and retreats and love the Catholic tradition and the Catholic community and tradition, especially the mystic Catholic tradition, like check out Richard Rohr, um, fed me so much for so many years. And it wasn't until Clarice was born and I had this sort of psychic awakening that expanded my understanding of what spirit is and how spirit moves that I realized, shoot, like now my understanding and my relationship with spirit is bigger than the box that I had previously enjoyed as a Catholic. Like it's bigger than these stories and these rules and this organization. I can't. I can't align myself with this organization anymore in integrity for myself. And, and it was rough because that was my spiritual community. You know, I had to create a new spiritual community, sort of, I rallied my own spiritual community around ideas that were more open 
uh, and more intuitively guided. And that has its drawbacks too, you know? So I, I have nothing against religion. I don't choose right. There's no religion right now that really fits my needs. Um, and yet I too think that it's wonderful to come together in community and to share spirituality. And that's something, you know, I have retreats here on my land sometime and we'll have groups here and we come together in ceremony. And those ceremonies are not traditional Caro Apache ceremonies. They're not, um, they're, they're more intuitively guided for the people that are there. It requires a bit more creativity. And honestly, I think there's a lot of people who, who the world is so distracting. Um, and there's so many things going on all the time that it's hard to keep feeding your spirituality. If you're not forced to go to mass every Sunday, you know, we have to do it then for ourselves. We have to really carve time out to focus on our spirit and to feed our spirits. Um, it is tricky. We're kind of, we're flying without a map right now. You know, many of us who left the church or who wish we could leave the church, or even if you're still in the church, but you're not feeling connected or fulfilled in the church, well then what's the point, right? Um, I'm, I'm very much a pragmatist, a spiritual pragmatist. So when people say, well, you know, what matters about spirituality? I say, well, what matters is when the results, you know, if going to mass every Sunday is helping you be a better parent and a better partner and, and a better loving person in the world, then that's great. Keep going to church, you know, and if leaving the church, but meditating and walking in the woods and and talking to your own spirit and loving yourself on the inside makes you a better partner and a better parent and a better loving community mate, then do that. I really believe that the things that we do spiritually should create us as more loving, um, helpful people in the world. That's what we're really going for. And the rest is kind of details. What serves you? What feeds your soul? Do that. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. You mentioned nature. I mean, I, I definitely want to ask, I don't know if it's, I mean, what do you do to feed your soul every day? Because I certainly for me, if I just, I don't partially, I think it's a vitamin D thing, honestly, but if I don't get outside, I'm yeah. telling, I mean, Northern hemisphere, that's, that's a whole other topic, but yeah. getting outside being in connection with i mean switzerland like you mentioned the mountains are just beautiful it's like you know such power but they're strong and just stable but then they're con mm -hmm. it's mountains are fascinating i mean i'm more of a beach mm -hmm. more of a beach lady normally but the, mm -hmm. the mountains are astounding to see and for me that connection getting outside of my the protection of yeah. my bedroom you know <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge, sure. hum, humbling and connecting thing. But I'm very curious what what you do. I mean, you mentioned meditation. Sometimes meditation mm -hmm. can be. It depends if I'm like meditating on my own or if I'm kind of if I do a guided one. It can be very hit and miss. So I'm just curious what you do to feed your soul and your well your spirituality. You said to remain yeah. in integrity with your spiritual connection 
that that whole piece really interests me like how do you yeah. remain in integrity when you there's no map you said there's like no map right now it's kind of just yeah <laughs> well when i had my psychic awakening thing happened basically i could suddenly see layers of energy in my imagination mind like i could see things that turned out to be true i could see if something had happened to somebody i could see what had happened in the past to people i could see a lot of different things and so I had to come up with my own navigation map pretty, pretty fast because I didn't have any training that made that happen. It was just boop, intuitively arising in me. And so I really enjoy the metaphor of spirit guides. And I say spirit guides as metaphor. And then I use my little air quotes with my fingers because um, I'm very clear that there aren't a bunch of people flying around in the sky you know, that are my spirit guides. It's not that simple. It's like, I'm pointing to, I'm giving personality to energies that I feel guide me mm -hmm. and I'm personalizing them because it makes them easier for me to deal with, to communicate with, to utilize. So I like that whole metaphor of spirit guides. And so when I wake up in the morning, before I even get out of bed, I lay there and I summon in myself gratitude for my life. I just summon that. I take breaths and I feel grateful. And then I take some breaths and I welcome my spirit guides or my helpers, my, you know, that feeling, those energies that have always guided me when I'm quiet enough to listen. And then for me too, when I get up, I like to go outside in the sunshine. I live in the forest here in California. And so, you know, three quarters of the year, there's sunshine to feel on my face and on my skin again, to feel gratitude and the smell of the forest and the trees and the sound of the songbirds in the morning and the sound of my rooster crowing and my goats going, man, like, you know, all the sounds of all the natural sounds I find really nourishing. And that's part of what connects me. And then in my work, you know, fortunately my work, I get to talk to other people's spirit all day. And so that also keeps me connected. My work itself is constantly having me reach out into the other worlds and bring that information back and then offer it up to the other worlds and then bring it back. And so I'm crossing that divide all day, every day. So it makes it easier for me also to stay in connection with my spirit. But, you know, it's part of what I teach my students and my clients is, is how to create their own daily rituals that keep them nourished on all levels, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, because I believe that we're all capable of allowing our genius to flow through us. That's why I call it channel your genius. I believe that when we are nourished and resourced and grounded and safe and abundant so that we're not worried about, you know, making rent, we're not worried about the struggles of life. We can actually open then and relax and when we open and relax and we know how, we can really let our best ideas and work flow through us rather effortlessly, like a channel, like a conduit. And that I think is our greatest birthright. And so I'm really committed to helping leaders learn how to do that, how to open their channels and let it flow through without efforting, without messing it up, you know, um, without stressing out, without getting overwhelmed. And that requires some strategy and some structure. As we know, as business women, it's not just like tra-la-la, you know, channel whatever you want. You need to have a system and a structure. 
um, to make that safe. And then once it is, you can do what you really naturally do mm. and let it just flow through. I love that. I'm just picturing, I mean, I'm so, like I said, beach water. I'm just picturing the structure is really what allows it to just mm. flow safely, mm -hmm. as you just said. So that's awesome. And I guess, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but I would love to make sure that we mention it again you said soulgiftquiz.com i'll put a, a yeah soulgiftquiz s o u l giftquiz.com and mm -hmm. and it's just a cute little it takes you 2 minutes to take the quiz and at the end of the quiz you have the option of giving me your email and when you give me your email then i'll send you even more information about your gift type and then you'll be in direct contact with me and so if you have further questions you can just write me back yes which Oh my goodness. We didn't even touch upon in France, but you did the most amazing channeling. It was so cool to be a part of it in real, just in person. Of course it's powerful mm. online, but it was so cool to experience. Mm. You really, it didn't even feel like work. I mean, I know it's, but right. it didn't, it does I don't not know. It feel just, like work. Oh, it yeah. was, it was very the power cool. comes through. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was such a cool experience. Yay. Oh yeah. So anyone that wants to check that out, you'll definitely learn even from the quiz alone, but obviously I think your students speak for themselves, but you're doing remarkable mm. work. So I just, thank you, love. I love, yeah, I appreciate you making mm. time and oh, I hope Tuscany, pleasure. you say this year or next year? For next year, 2022. Yeah. We're working on it. It will be a, um, a journey through Tuscany um, for women It'll be a small group of women and we'll be following the trail of the feminine, the divine feminine during the Renaissance. So we'll be doing some work with the Magdalene energy, but it's the Renaissance was a deeply uh, had deep, deep devotion to divine feminine principles. And that for some reason in history hasn't been what's been focused on when we talk about the Renaissance and Florence and Tuscany. And so we're looking at taking a small group of women through a deep experience all through Tuscany. And um, there's a historian, a female historian, who's one of the very few registered uh, historians approved by the old city in Florence in Firenze and can bring us through kind of the back door of the Uffizi and various places where some of those mysteries are kept. And so I'm really excited about that oh. opportunity adventure amazing i love yeah. it i think yeah. retreats oh i mean you mentioned you do some stuff even where you're at now at home mm -hmm. retreats yeah the power the retreats, land. it's i mean we went together to france i've also been in yes Colombia. i've been to a retreat in portugal mm -hmm. this sounds mm -hmm. amazing there's something so cool about immersion and and really yeah also the history of a place and if, if you tap yes. into that it's so cool retreats are true. one of a kind i don't think you can well I don't want to limit it, but retreats are... That's true. You know, we've been without them for for over a year now. And I know I'm missing that experience of the immersion inside the, uh, inside the energy of a place. The energy where you are in Switzerland is totally different than the mountains here in California. It's just different. And so being there, your whole body soaks it up. It's an immersive, full-bodied learning experience. And it makes... It changes you. It's a rite of passage. Ooh. I guess that would be my final, final question is just around technology then and how this all works. I mean, with my startup chiefly, which is what I've been working on, 
definitely mm-hmm. more logical brain side a lot of the time. So I will be mm-hmm. working on your uh, aligned yes or the resonant yes. Yes, um, good. But just wondering about how the tech works with that. I mean, right now, for example, okay, we're not in the same room, but I definitely feel mm-hmm. you to some degree, right? Like I can see you. Yes, totally. And I've got totally. some, it would be different if you were here, but so I just, I would love And I know we're kind of, you know, I've been surprised this past year. So much of what I had done in the past had included retreat work that was in person. And when I recognized, oh, wow, um, people still want the rites of initiation work. They want this deep spiritual work that I would usually do on the land in person, but they still want it. And so sort of reluctantly or grumbly, I, I still offered this deep spiritual initiations work, but it's on happening on zoom or the retreats on zoom. And I was amazed to find that it works. It works great. The reason why I think it works so well is because first of all, it's our intention that creates the magic. So you and I intend that we're here, that everybody can feel us, you know, then they can, it just works. And then the other thing is, um, Sometimes when someone will come on retreat with me, they'll kind of see me as the magic doer or something, which is not really true. You know, I'm a facilitator and I empower my clients and students to create their own magic. And yes, I can focalize energy. And so I can help. I can accelerate it. I can strengthen it. That's true. But is it just magical Melissa time? No, freaking no. (laughs) We are all magic. And so One thing I've really enjoyed about doing more distance work on Zoom is that my client is challenged to accept that all the wonderful results they're getting, it's from their own commitment. It's from their own welcoming of the magic. It's from their own claiming of their own gifts. It's from their own intention and practice and their willingness to receive me even over Zoom it's theirs. It really belongs to them. And I find it really empowering for people. You know, there's a level of individuation and empowerment that can happen doing deep spiritual work over Zoom that can sometimes get lost in the fluffy peak experience energy of being together in some ecstatic state. It's, it's easy sometimes for people when they're having a peak experience to think, oh, well, it was all about that land or it was all about that teacher. It was all about that guru to hell with that. No, it's yours. You created it. It's yours. And that sometimes comes across even better when we're using technology like this. Mm. I love that radical. It's almost radical ownership or just like, yes, complete, you know? Yeah. Yes. Complete. It's very empowering. Yeah. I love it. Well, I could, I mean, I could definitely keep you all day long because I love where we're headed and it's such a different approach to, I think people often think of leadership and they, yeah, how we lead in our daily lives. And they'll certainly think about how they lead in their work specifically, but this has been such a cool chat on how, how you connect spiritually. I don't, I don't know if lead even does it justice, but your spiritual approach and how you're helping so many others connect as well. So Again, I'm just so grateful that we met, that we got to hang out. I can't wait to hang out again soon. And thank Yay. you so much for making time today. I'll post the link to the quiz, which is super awesome, in the notes so people can connect with you. And thank you so, so much. Great. Thank you. you.
It's been great. Thanks for having me here.